John chapter 3 and verse 30. Just one short verse. He must increase, but I must decrease. Lord, talk to us tonight. God, I pray that we'll open our heart and that it won't be just another message but it is a word from heaven, God, that you want to speak into our spirit, God, and that we'll embrace it, and God, will commit, God, to this pathway, God, that you're leading us upon, that will impact us individually, it will impact us as a church family. And God, I pray for your anointing tonight to deliver your word and the same anointing to receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I want to preach on this thought, and this is what I came to preach last Sunday morning. And God had other plans. Uh, less of me and more of Jesus. Less of me and more of Jesus. As we have ended a year, 2023, and we're beginning a new one. It is a time of reflection and a time of anticipation. Reflecting back on the victories. You know, it, you know, there's things about this year that was difficult. There was pressures and stress factors and things of this nature, and I won't get into all of that. And, and we can focus on that if that's what we choose to do, and it's easy to do. But when I began to reflect back the other day, about 2023, I thought, I baptized four of my grandchildren in Jesus' name and my daughter-in-law in Jesus' name. That's five of my close loved ones. Amen? And that is a good year. I don't care what the devil says. Come on, somebody. There's going to be some good and bad in every year, but if we can focus on the good things, the victories that we have had, the revivals that we have, the new people that have came into the church, those that are seeking the Holy Ghost, those those that have had miracles to take place, those that have gotten answers and breakthroughs and victories in their life, uh, it is a good year to look back upon. But we can't stop there because 2023 is over. It's said and done. We can't go back and live it. We can't live on yesterday's problems or yesterday's victories. And so we have anticipation. So with faith and vision, we're anticipating great things for 2024. Amen. Could I get a witness tonight? I think we ought to go into this year with great faith and great expectation because it's an entire almost 12 full months left and God can do anything we sung it tonight he can do anything and I'd rather go into this with my head held high I'd rather go into this year with our faith reaching soaring high I'd rather us go into this year believing God that this is the year for our breakthrough this is the year for our revival this is the year for great things to take place this is the year of a return of a backslider. This is a year of a breakthrough in our city that this will be a year where God can have his way. Some could easily say, well, it's that time of year again. We get the hype. We get the 
cheerleading. No, if we believe in faith, and if we believe that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we should even ask or think, I believe according to the power that worketh in us, I believe we ought to reach for it, claim it, proclaim it, and claim it tonight. Why not? Why not? Come on, somebody. I believe this year can be our greatest year of harvest. I believe this year can be our greatest year of spiritual growth. I believe this year can be our greatest year of seeing promises and prophecies fulfilled upon your life and upon this church. There's people in this audience tonight, you've got children that have walked far from God. But can I tell you, it ain't over because God loves them. God is married. To, I feel the Holy Ghost right now that God is married to the backslider. He's not going to let them go to hell without trying everything in his power to wake them up and to get their attention. That ought to bring us hope tonight. I just want to claim that this year we can see the return of the prodigals. Oh, praise God. In fact, I was thinking this weekend, we need to get these prodigal jars back out here. They might not be the prettiest things, but we need to be reminded, praise God, that we need to pray over those prodigals. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not going to encourage anybody to make a New Year's resolution. Say, so, well, really? Really? Because a resolution is that you're making a, res a, a resolve to do something. And then knowing that many times because of our human nature, we fall short and drop it off the priority list. So I'm not asking for, I'm not encouraging resolutions. But I am encouraging setting goals. Come on. Letting our dreams be released. Letting our burdens come out and believe God that he will do a work in the areas that God has given us the burden for. I do believe that we need to set goals and make plans. But goals are to be achieved. If you never set a mark, you'll never raise the bar. If I ne never uh, set a mark, Brother Dylan, I will never raise the bar. Come on. And it's easy to just start going through the motions. Can I just, just preach what I feel tonight? It's easy to just go through the motions. And we're doing good and we're living right and we're having good church. And But that it doesn't mean we're growing, Brother Dylan. And that's what God wants out of us is that we will have a continuation of personal growth and church-wide growth. Come on, we say it many times in our prayer, God, I want to grow, but we never really make the steps to grow that's a struggle that we face as humans amen and as Christians anybody want to set goals tonight I'm not asking for your goals I just think we ought to set goals and we set goals financially we want to save this much we want to put away this much for retirement we, we set goals we want to lose this much weight come on we want to pay this off and pay that off we want to reduce our debt. 
and we could go. We want to get a better job with a better income. These are goals we can. We want to exercise more. We want to go to the gym more often. We set goals. Why? Because it is where we need to be, and we know it. So we've got to set some goals in order to pursue it. Amen. But while we're setting those goals. Doesn't it make good sense because I know that you have a desire to go further in God. That if we're going to go further in God, that we can look at where we're at right now. What's going on in our life. Where things at the level they are. And say, God, I don't want to be satisfied at this level. But I want to reach higher, God. We want to reach higher than where we're at right now. So we're going to set some goals that are going to be steps up a ladder to get there. Now, wanting to get further in God and not having steps to get there would make as much sense if I wanted to jump up and hit that bent, slap it. I'm short, fat, and can't jump. Come on. That wouldn't make sense, would it? I can't do that. But, Brother Erickson, what prevents me from touching that bent? I'm just using a crazy illustration. I got to have some help. And I'm going to ask somebody, I'm not really going to do this. Ask somebody to bring me a ladder out here. And I got to start up the steps of that ladder. But I can't go up one or two steps. I got to keep my eyes on the goal. Come on, somebody. I feel the Holy Ghost talking to us tonight that if we'll get whatever we need to create our ladder, to create our steps and say, God, this is where I want to do better. And I want to climb a little higher. But I'm not going to stop there. We're not going to stop, but we're going to keep climbing and keep putting steps in front of us we listen the steps we just took ought to be an encourager that hey i'm further than i was yesterday i did better than i did last week you did better than you did last month so don't stop but keep reaching and keep reaching for the higher places this scripture was one of my favorite scriptures also but i want to show it in a more broader perspective than what we normally Look at it. The Bible, Paul has said, this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind. Now, normally we preach that our failures, our sins, our past, right? Why can't we include into that that I didn't do as well last year that I wanted to, that I went through, we might have went through some seasons of struggles or we didn't reach the levels that we wanted to reach. Why can't we have that same spirit that says, you know what, I'm going to forget 23 and I'm in the Bible says in reaching forth to the things which are before. I press, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm not just trying to preach a New Year's message. I, I, I want us to, I'm, we're, I'm in the game with you. We're all in this together. We want to reach further. We don't want to just talk about it. We don't want it to be just something we verbalize. We don't want it to be something that we recognize but never do anything about. But I believe we're at a place, Brother Stanley, we desperately want to do something. We don't want to stay where we're at. We don't want to stay stagnant. I read an article, Brother, by... I think it was Brother Mark Dross. I read a tweet by him the other day, and he said, if we're not constantly adding something into our life, we will become stagnant. 
And then we can look back and say, now I know why I got stagnant. I know why I got a little lukewarm. I know why we had some at ease at Zion. Why? Because we weren't adding, adding something into our life. It's like going to the gas tank and refueling up. Well, praise God. So we want to add some things into our life. We got to designate what those things are, praise God. We also have a time to review, review our life. The Bible says, let a man examine himself. I want to stop there for a moment. God help us on a regular basis to examine ourselves, to be totally honest with ourselves. Stop and look at the man in the mirror, not literally, but spiritually. Do a review, an examination of our spiritual life and say, God, is this really where I want to be? I know this is not where you want me to be. And I want to, we want to take responsibility that says, God, we're not going to stay here. But we're going to examine and see the areas of weaknesses, see the areas of struggles, see the areas of compromise. Come on, somebody. See the areas of letdown and say, you know what? I want to go and correct these areas first. Hallelujah. Oh, hashatalabahaya. We want to correct these areas, fill the gaps, reshore it up, and re support it and get it ready because God when we get these things plugged up if you will or we get them hitting on all cylinders again our faith is going to rise we're going to have greater expectation because these things pull us down they weighed us down mm. where are we at with God where do we need to be with God what do we want in the kingdom what do we want? I'm being transparent and honest with you. I'm convicted when I think back, Brother Dylan, when I first got the Holy Ghost. How excited I was when revival was announced. And they were seven-day revivals. They weren't three night, three, three days of services. They were seven-day revivals. But I recall what anticipation I had and others had, the excitement, we can't wait for it. And we didn't start praying when the revival got there. But as soon as it was announced, a group of us in the church would start praying. I'm telling you, we've got to get back to some old-fashioned prayer meeting. We've got to get back to recognizing we can't do this on our own. We can't go and expect revival without praying. But when we pray, expect something to happen. When we touch the throne of God, expect revival to come. When we touch heaven, expect sinners to get under conviction. Expect faith. Expect Expect God to show up. Well, praise the Lord. You know, praying is kind of like making deposits in the bank. If we never make a deposit, we're going to show up at the bank one day and they're going to say, I'm sorry, sir, but you're overdrawn. God, help me to not get overdrawn. That I have got more going out than I have putting in. Oh, this isn't even my message just yet. But 
God help us to realize that if we want more and we want to expect more, come on somebody, then we've got to, and we can, we can put more into it. Then we can have prayer meetings leading up to every revival. Why, when the revival comes, we've already made some deposits that we can cash out. When revival, it might not be our blessing, but it might be our neighbor's blessing. It might not be our loved one that gets the Holy Ghost, but it'll be somebody else's loved one at least. It may be somebody come in for the first time, but they're coming in because somebody's been making investments into revival. This all right? I'm guilty as you are. We talk about the revivals of old. How it used to be. How we didn't get in a hurry. How the prayer rooms roared with prayer. Come on. How they had all night prayer meetings. How the people gathered on a certain night and prayed. And people came before service and prayed. And people fasted and sought God. And things happened. Has God changed with the times? No, he hasn't. Uh, this is not a, a, a condemning message or an indicting message. This is an encouraging message that says, God, something's going to have to change. If we want to see what we want to see, and if we're going to see what we're praying to see, then we're going to make some adjustments in our life, and we're going to get some ladders out, and we're going to start climbing those steps, and we're going to begin to keep climbing until we reach. Oh, Hallelujah. Well, clap your hands to Jesus. I think I'm safe with saying that every one of us, I want to say every one of us, desire a closer walk with the Lord. Hmm? I would think, and I know some have named their themes for that year, and that's not what we're doing. That's fine. What they're doing is great. It sounds good. It's more in 24. It rhymes. Amen. But the song, I want more of you, God, just rings through my spirit. Because it isn't saying, Brother Betts, I want more blessings. It isn't saying that I want more miracles or I want more of this. It's just simply, Brother Shannon, it is a song that says, I want more of you, God. I believe with all my heart that God wants us to want him more than we want anything else. And I'm afraid that we're to, we reverse that and we begin to want things more than we want God. Give me a little monitor if you could, Sister Claudia. Come on, somebody. I, I just, I'm not even in my notes right now, but I just want to believe God that there's people that want more of God. When we get more of God, guess what? It comes with a package. When we get more of God, we get more healings. We get more miracles. We get more revival. We get more heart. We just got to want more of God. Oh, God, help us to have a desire for more of you. He that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. The reason that is, when we really get hungry and we really get thirsty, nothing's got to promote us, nothing has to motivate us, but that hunger will drive us.
God, where's our hunger? God, we come before you together. Where's our hunger? Because hunger and thirst would drive us to a place of prayer. It would drive us out of status quo. It would drive us out of those places at ease in Zion. When we get hungry and thirsty for you, God, then we're going to search and dig and pray and seek the face of God. I believe in prayer. But I want to go a little further. And the Bible speaks of it several times, often. And there is a difference. It is prayer, but it's prayer at a whole different level. And it's calling seeking God. We can give God a prayer list and we can pray. Come on. We give God a prayer list every day. What we need him to do, what we want him to do, how we want him to bless us. How we want to protect our children. We can give God all this list that he hears every single day. But what if we, yes, you need to pray that. But what if we just said, you know what? I'm not going to pray right now. I've already prayed that or I'll pray it later. Right now, I just want to seek God. Right now, you just want to seek God because we need to hear his voice. We want to see his hand. We want to see him show up in the service. We want to see his glory. We want to see the power of his spirit in operation. We want to see the promises of God come to fruition in our lives, in our families, in our church. But we've got to get to a place that we're hungry to seek God. Well, hallelujah. Please tell me y'all soaking this up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to preach my burden tonight. I'm not trying to be polished with it or mean by no measure. Hey, that's not what it is at all. But I want to encourage us. It's there. It's waiting on us. If we'll just begin to seek God, and I believe we will seek God. Once we begin to seek God at the level he wants us to, we're going to begin to discover things again that we haven't seen in a while. I I, I believe this with all of my heart. We're going to discover the experiences that we once had, the joy that once overflowed, the faith that once reached high. Come on, am I preaching to somebody besides Danny Robbins tonight? Hello, somebody. I'm talking about getting back, Brother Lee to the real basis of what this is all about. We can have pretty church. We can have fine church, but we need to touch heaven. Hey, come on, somebody. It may not be the best of everything, but we need to touch God, and that's what matters. There's a song that says, The closer walk with thee, dear Lord, is my plea. God, has it really been my plea? Has it really been this year? Have I lost focus? Have I taken you for granted? Have I got caught in a rut? Come on. Has that really been my plea? God, help it to be my plea. Just a closer walk with thee. Oh, dear Lord, is my plea. There's something about those old saints. They didn't have a lot of money. They had a lot of different heartaches and hardships, but they had joy. Brother Dylan, they had peace. Uh, They had something in the Holy Ghost that money can't buy. 
They had something worth more than all this world. They knew how to get a hold of God. They knew where real peace come from. They knew where real joy was at. You can be broke, but you can be full of joy. You can have bills mounting up and, and can't quite pay them just yet, but you can have joy. You can have problems in your world. You can struggle in life, but have joy, joy, joy. Joy is speakable and full of glory. The song says, I am weak, but thou art strong. Jesus, help me from all, keep me from all wrong. I'll be satisfied as long. How long have we prayed since we prayed this prayer? I'll be satisfied as long as I walk. Let me walk close to thee. Lord, are we really satisfied by our relationship with God? Are we really satisfied if all the money's not there? Are we really satisfied if we're not getting our entertainment and our pleasures and our recreations if things are not lining up like we want in the physical are we really satisfied when we focus on the kingdom of God and we say Lord if I didn't have anything in this world but if I have you I've got everything I want I'm reminded of a song we used to sing and yes, I used to sing when everybody came on the platform as a kid. They couldn't hear me. I hope they couldn't because I couldn't sing. But I love that song. I'm a poor, rich man. I could relate to that song. I wasn't rich in the spirit because I didn't have the Holy Ghost. But I was a poor person. I grew up poor. So I'm just, you know, you can relate. But when I look back at it now, there's a whole lot of poor rich folks in that church. Come on, we had church on, come on, you hear me? We had church Sunday morning, two services. Had church Sunday night, had Monday night prayer, had Wednesday night Bible study, had Friday night youth and everybody came to it. Had Saturday night, hello somebody, had Saturday night evangelistic service and start back all over again. But now we have too much church, right? Oh, come on somebody. We got, Lord help me. Let me worry about what we do. We don't need less church. We need more church. We don't need less God. We need more God. We don't need less prayer meetings. We need more prayer meetings. Why? Because we say we're hungry. And God wants to raise up a church. God wants to prepare a church that can reap the harvest, that has something that's real, where people come in and feel the power, where conviction falls. Come on, somebody. That's what God is trying to prepare a church. And I believe we're going to do it. I'd be foolish tonight to get up here and preach and say, I don't even believe it. I believe God is talking to us because this is where he wants to take us. I want to go there. As long as I walk with thee. Let me walk close to thee. Just a closer walk with thee. Granted, Jesus is my plea. Daily walking close to thee. Let it be, dear Lord. Let it be. 
Come on, somebody. That's got to get in our heart. It was what got David through the trials of life. It was what got David with a testimony that he served his generation. It is what got David, Brother McGill, with a testimony that he had a heart after, after God's own heart. He was a man after God's own heart. Why? Because David said, as a heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. David, he'd seen it before. Those deer out by the water brooks where they would conduit the water and they would have water spouts ever so often where air would be in that water pipe and conduit and allowing it to get air to flow. And that old deer would go up to that water spout. He couldn't touch it. He could smell it. He could feel the moisture coming from it. But he couldn't get to the water. And he would pant for that water. Come on, somebody. David said, that's how my soul feels. How long has it been since we were that thirsty for revival, that thirsty for a move of God, that thirsty for a personal relationship with God? Psalm 63, 1 through 2 said, My soul thirsteth for thee. Can I just tell you, bottom line, where the rubber meets the road, if we're going to get where God wants to take us, this is where we've got to get. We've got to get hungry, and we've got to get thirsty for God. We've got to lose sight of these other things. I know we've got to take care of business, but we've got to bring our focus in a hunger and a thirst. And I'm preaching to people that know how to do it. Come on, I'm encouraging people that says, you know what? I feel some traction coming on. There's a desire, and I know God is talking to us, and God's not setting us up for a fall. He's just tickling our ear, but God is pulling and reaching. God, stir us. It's all right. I have to ask myself another question. How long has it been since I really have been stirred? How long has it been since God was able to really to stir my soul? Because see, when we get stirred, we can become focused on it. It, it gets our attention. It consumes our mind and our, our heart. And, and we get stirred and we, we can't stay where we're at. But something's got to change. I remember being at a place one time in God, so hungry for revival, personal revival. Brother Dylan, I didn't, it was all new to me. Nobody gave me a class on this. I didn't know how to go about it. But I remember going on my property, they had them old kudzu vines everywhere, and I found an old kudzu cave. This sounds silly, but I got up and I got my rifle. I'd been deer hunting, and I laid that rifle to the side. I remember very well crawling up in that kudzu cave and saying God I don't want to come out of here until I touch you I've got to have a change in my life and I was living for God I was working for the kingdom of God but there was something that God wanted to take us to another level hear me today I'm not saying you're doing bad I'm saying God wants to take us to another level and this is how we get there we've got to leave where we're at and reach for more Now, I don't know where I'm at in my notes. Try to catch up. It don't really matter. Drawing closer to the Lord. Draw nigh unto me, 
and I'll draw nigh unto thee. Brother King, let me borrow you just a minute. I want you to come up here. We all want to get closer to God. I believe that. We all want a closer walk. How many of you want a closer walk with the Lord? Every hand in the house goes up. When the Lord gave me this message, and I know we should know this, but God refreshes us and points things out, illuminate things to us where we can see. There's this obstacle that's in my way. That's a barrier between getting where I want to be in God. And no matter which way I try to turn, no matter how hard I try to push forward, this barrier is there. And there's only one way I'm ever and we're ever going to get past the barrier is that we've got to bring it under subjection. Come on, we've got to bring it under arrest. And you know what that barrier is? It is self. The biggest enemy I have is self. My self-will, my self-desires, my self-opinions, my self-goals. Come on, somebody. And so my biggest barrier to get to where God wants us to be, to get to that closer wall, is myself. You can be seated. And by knowing that, and I know John was out of, in a different context of his statement, but I believe we can grab that. When he saw Jesus coming at the River Jordan, he made this statement. He said, he must increase, and I must decrease. John had been the forerunner, the voice coming out of the wilderness. He had paved the way for Jesus Christ. But he knew it was time for him to step aside and let Jesus walk in into his ministry. But I want to borrow that same thought because in reality, if we're and we're going to get there, I believe we're going to get there. I believe this is a turnaround year for this church. I believe this is a turnaround year for individuals. I really believe that. I'm not trying to preach hype tonight because I believe we are ready and hungry and tired of the same old, same old. Then we've got to get to a place that says, God, you must increase in my life. And Lord, I must decrease. No wonder Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, If any man come after me, there's a barrier that's got to be moved. Let him deny himself. But notice, he didn't say go find help. Don't get go, go get somebody to help you get through this, because this is something only we can do. Only us can do it individually, but we can. He said, "Except a man, except you deny yourself, pick up your cross." Now, what is that cross? I've heard it preached a lot of different ways, and I'm not going to say it's all exclusive. I think it's inclusive. But my cross is somewhere I got to die on. He said in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had prayed and he was in agony and he sweat as if it were, he had as great drops of blood. 
in agony. And it was there he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. He knew where he was headed. He knew the outcome, but he did it and was thank and he was glad to do it because he knew the ultimate was going to pay the price for our sin. He knew the ultimate would get victory over death, hell, and the grave. He knew the ultimate was an offer to all of mankind for eternal life. But we, too, have to visit our garden of Gethsemane. We, too, have to deny ourselves. Jesus denied his fleshly body, his man nature, and said, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will but thine. He denied self. And he says, if you're going to follow me, you must. You got to deny yourself. And once you have denied yourself, once you have told self, get back out of the way. There's something greater that I want. And when we do that, he said, now there's one more step. Pick up your cross. Bow to yourself. Bow to our flesh. Come on. Bow to our ways. Bow to our will. Come on. When we die out on that cross, our own cross, and we're crucified with him and destroy this body of sin, but we've got to die out to self. He said, then you can follow you can follow me. Deny ourselves. Pick up our cross and follow me. We read it. We've heard it preached. Have I really looked close enough to it and say, God, have I done that? Because we're not going to have to just do it one time. We're going to have to do it over and over, Brother McGill, and over. But McGill, how long have you been living for God? In 49 years, probably there's been a number of times you've had to go back and deny yourself, pick back up that cross and get things where they need to be and start following him in the level that he wants us to follow. Ourself is our biggest obstacle. Because we like to pet this self. We like to uh, cater to this self. We want this self to be took care of. We want our way. Come on. I saw where a young man preached his first message, a friend of mine's son, youngest son, and I loved his title. I didn't get to hear all the message. His title was, My Way or the Highway. Told me that's how God thinks about it. I want his way. Less of me and more of Jesus. You know, if I could get less of me, a lot of my problems would be resolved. Come on, if I got less of me, my wrong and bad attitudes would go away. Come on. If I had less of me and more of him, then my words and my conversations would align with him and not with carnality. Come on. If I had less of me and more of him, our desire to pray would be greater. Come on. If I had less of me and more of him, it would not be such a challenge, but it would be a desire. Hmm. We get busy. It's all right. I remember I, I just walked down memory lane the other day. I was preaching revival, was evangelizing before I came here. And uh, I was in Marks, Mississippi at Brother Mike Dutton's church. Brother Aaron Dutton was there at the time. He was still a young teenager. And we had a two-week or three-weeks revival. 
and I'm not saying I did this a lot before or after. But during that revival, and it just showed me I could do it. I pray three hours a day. One hour in the morning, one hour at noon, and one hour before church. I'm not saying that to boast because I'm not doing it now. Come on. It's everything to get an hour in. Come on. Come on. But it says, what made me do it then? What drove me? And I remember walking in those places of prayer, Brother Dylan. I couldn't wait to get there. And it wasn't that my mind was on other things or I, I had a schedule to me. It was locked away with no hindrances or distractions. See, we've got to find us a place. Come on, somebody. We've got to find us some time that we reserve for God that is not hindered by phones, by schedules, by interruptions. Come on, I'm preaching to me just like I am you. We've got to secure a time with God that says, God, I want to give you full attention. God, we've got to reserve a space and time, and it's not that we have to pray three hours a day. It's no telling how long you might pray, but it's a time that is dedicated to God to give God full attentiveness. Brother Klepper used to say, y'all know the holy hush. Y'all remember that? He says sometimes we need to shut up and listen to God. Sometimes God probably looks down and says, Would you be quiet a few minutes? I'd like to talk to you. And we're just rapid fire. Praying. Well, praying is also listening. Praying is a communication between us and God. If we're not careful, prayer will be a one-way communication. Come on. But prayer is a time we spend with God under no pressure, in no hurry, full attentiveness to God, giving him our full attention, a secured time with God because it's there he can walk into that prayer room. It's there he can whisper in our ear. It's there that he can talk to us and tell us things we need to do and encourage us in ways that we can grow stronger. Come on, God is not an indicting God. Only he's an encouraging more than indicting. And God can visit with us. He can speak into our spirit. We can pour our heart out. We can weep. We can rejoice. And we can just bask in his presence. How long has it been since that's where we've been? Let's stand together. Galatians 5 and 17, Paul said, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. That's a battle. But we can win the battle. Paul's not giving that there to not offer us hope. Paul has given this to us to recognize what we're up against. And why we struggle with some of this stuff. So we can identify it and say, I'm going to win the battle. Come on. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to win the battle. Second Chronicles 7 and 14, you know it well. Well, let me go back to this one. 
draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. If we stop there, that sounds good. But God always gives the instructions. I know we have to draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to us. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. And so I read in this, if I truly want to draw nigh to God, I've got to cleanse my hands. That's the things we touch, the way we live our hands, lift up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Purify our hearts. We do that. You know, we ask God to do it, and he helps us. But we have to purify our hearts. We have to bring things to an altar, and we have to lay them down, and we can draw close to God. Second Chronicles 7 and 14 says, If, we talked about that word if this morning, if, God doesn't force it on us. He offers it. He encourages it. If, everybody say if. God is saying, if my people, which are called by my name, if they would humble themselves. Why did he put that first, Brother Mark? Because that's the first barrier. Self. Deny ourselves. Humble ourselves. And pray. Don't stop there. But seek my face. And don't stop there, but turn from their wicked ways. He said then, everybody say, Elf. We saw the list. Humble ourselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from our sins and our wicked ways and our carnal natures. He said then, well, I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I'll heal their land. If we're not careful, we quote the scripture and not even follow. We know the buzzwords. We know the scriptures to quote. But have I followed it? Have I followed it? That's what it's there for. Not to quote, not to get excited about, feel promised, but it's there to follow. And if we follow, the results will come. We've got, we're getting back. We've got to get there to the place where we follow the word. And the results will come. Instead of quoting the word and hyping the word and proclaiming the word, and it never comes. But follow the word. Follow the instructions. And it comes. Every head bowed and every eye closed. He must increase. And I must decrease. I want him to increase in my life. And I want my nature, my ways, my carnality, my flesh. I need it to increase. I need it to decrease. My agendas, my opinions, my personal desires. So to Casey, I need them to decrease. And I need him to increase into my life. While nobody's looking around and 
eyes are closed and hearts are talking to God. I want to reach for every one of us tonight to focus on a new year with anticipation, with faith and prayers. But I want us to focus on taking the steps that are required to get there. Follow the steps where the promises are at the end of those steps. Follow the steps put into action and obey the Lord and watch what happens. It'll, it'll come naturally. It'll come naturally. This is what God wants and wheels into our lives. I open these altars. They're open all the time. I don't know why I say that, but just to give you encouragement to come. Could we come tonight and say, Lord, I want to pour something on this altar tonight. I want something to die. You know, we keep saying we want something new to birth in our life, but yet first we must have something to die first. Let's have the seed of corn fall on the ground and die. It cannot grow and produce. 